Life Audio. Let me ask you a question: How connected are you and your marriage or relationship? Does it sometimes feel that there's something standing in the way of the true intimacy you desire? The first step to reconnection is to measure how far you're disconnected. That's why I've created a free tool to help you check your connection. This short two-minute quiz will assess how present and connected you are, and how to deepen your intimacy. Take the quiz at danashay.com/partnerquiz. That's d-a-n-a-c-h-e.com/partnerquiz. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shay. Hello, friends. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show today. This is your podcast host, Dana Shea, and um, you're listening to Real Relationship Talk. And you all, I am just so thrilled to present to you a different kind of episode today. If you have been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that we normally focus on marriages and relationships, and especially marriages. However, I also like to have conversations about other things sometimes. I mean, go figure. I don't just talk about marriage or relationships. So today we have with us Blake Goucher, who is the podcast host and author of the book of the same title, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. And I'm excited to bring you guys this conversation today because Blake is definitely very outspoken um, on Instagram. She actually calls herself your Instagram hype girl, Instagram fire starter, and she definitely starts some fires, y'all. Okay. Um, Blake is political and she is not ashamed to talk about what she believes politically. You're going to hear some things today that maybe you don't agree with. Um, you may see some things on her Instagram that you don't agree with, theologically, politically, even socioeconomically. But I think it's important, as you are going to hear in this episode, that we surround ourselves with people who do not think exactly like us. Y'all, this is one of my favorite things to do. I am such a curious person. I love people. I love all kinds of people. I love having conversations with people who challenge my beliefs, literally, like they make me like come up, you know what I mean? Like they, they challenge me in areas of what I feel like I'm super solid in. And then I love talking to people who have very, very different belief systems than me. And this is really what I want to model to my children. I want to model it to my listeners, to anyone who I have the privilege of influencing in any way. I want to be able to model a new way forward where we can have conversations with people who we do not necessarily agree with, and we can still respect one another. We can challenge one another's belief systems or value systems. And at the end of the day, we walk away being not just amicable, but we walk away feeling honored by that person. And I feel like that is what this conversation is. Blake and I agree on a lot of things, and there are some things that we don't necessarily agree on. And so I pray that you find this conversation um, enlightening. I pray that you find it honoring, and you're going to find some funny parts. I mean, like we, uh, this was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun interviewing Blake. So if you've never heard of Blake before, she is the podcast host of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, and she wrote a book of that same title back in 2022. And Blake, she is a young mother. She is a wife. Um, she 
goes in, y'all, okay, on some of the things that she talks about, especially on Instagram. And she has been all over the place. You guys, this girl has been on E! News, People, Fox News, Yahoo, MSN. She's been everywhere. And she's got um, just a very comforting, I think, warm way of expressing her beliefs and her thoughts. And so one of the things that we really talked about today was the status of the church today. And this is one of the things that I often talk about. Actually, as I am recording this, I just recently preached a message on judging. And maybe I'll upload parts of that sermon because it isn't what you've heard before. And I think that there are some parts of Christianity, of our faith, if you're in the Christian faith. And if you're not in the Christian faith, can I just give you like a virtual hug? Because you clicked on this episode knowing full well that we were going to be talking about God and Christianity. So if you are curious, maybe you have been thinking about Christianity or you want to know more about it or whatever, I'm so glad that you're here. But Blake and I actually talk a lot about the state of the church today. We talk a lot about people who have deconstructed their faith. We have both deconstructed our faith. What does that look like? What does that even mean? Where did we go from there? We talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about um, just how we can, again, not necessarily agree with everyone, because as you all have maybe heard me say, especially if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, the purpose of communication is not agreement, but understanding. So if we can have a conversation with people and we can get a different understanding, doesn't mean that you have to change your belief system, doesn't mean that you have to change anything, but can you at least understand? a new perspective, a different perspective? Can you at least give grace and space for somebody who thinks differently than you? So I love these conversations. And um, I think that you're going to enjoy this conversation so much. So without any further ado, let me go ahead and get this party started. Let's welcome to the podcast today, our guest, Blake Goucher. All right, all right, Blake. It is time. It is time for us to have this conversation today. Um, I'm excited. I have no idea how this conversation is going to go, but I'm just I'm open for it all. So, just yeah. first and foremost, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. These are the best ones where you're like, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to go, but let's do it. Right? Yeah. When I first started the podcast, I would send my guests like pre-selected questions and I would do all like a ton of research, you know, which I still do research on my guests. But what I would find is that I was so focused on like getting to the next question or the guests because they knew the question. So the conversation wasn't as organic as I would like. So you know what? I was like, let's just do away with the questions and let's just talk. I had the same exact journey with mine. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, typically, as I was telling you before we started recording, we talk about marriage and relationships on the show. And, um, and I know that you could add to that. um, But I really want to talk to you today about your relationship with the church. You obviously have a podcast called Confessions of a Crappy Christian. And so I'm so excited just to find out about your level of crappiness and um, your journey in faith and really your relationship with the church. So Let's just jump in. I want to know, like, when did you first come to faith? Where did you receive Jesus as a child or, you know, kind of like, what was your upbringing like? Yeah, I'm a church kid. Grew up in the 90s and early 2000s in youth group and in church. I have two incredible parents that have been married for 36 years that love Jesus, that, you know, we they sent us to a Christian private school. We did all of the, all of the right things. And It's interesting now looking back on it because I would say I knew 
God. I knew, I, I don't think I ever doubted that he was real. I never doubted that Jesus was real and what he had done. I just had a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions about scripture and theology and things that just like didn't seem to line up or match up. And I couldn't get a lot of those questions answered. So like, let me interrupt you real quick. Like what kind of questions were you thinking about when you were growing up? Yeah. So I've always been really interested in like the supernatural and like that element of scripture. And like, I wanted to talk about like, why did a donkey talk and why did a snake talk? And like, why did a burning bush talk or what were angels or what were the sons of God or, or even just the harder hitting questions growing up, like in purity culture, what, like, why do why do we stay pure until marriage? Why don't we have sex? What's what are the implications of that? And those are questions that have tangible answers that I think I we've seen a massive shift in the church and their ability to answer those questions, face them head on, not be like, oh, you need to just like do what you're told, you know, like mm-hmm. just fall in line. Um, kind of always challenged like the boy versus girl, like how those relationships were supposed to work and the different standards we were often held to in youth group. And so because I had all of these questions and was because of the, I grew up in the South. I'm from like the tip of the boot of Louisiana, never lived anywhere else. A lot of those questions, like people were just, I think weren't ready to have those conversations. Hadn't had them themselves as like young adults and adults that were leading youth group and stuff like that. And so I really kind of drifted in late high school, early college, and just was like, if I can't be myself, if I can't show up and be loud and opinionated and curious, then I don't want to be here, Hmm. kind of was how it went for me. And then I kind of had my own relatively radical experience of hearing the voice of God and God being like, hey, like your questions are good with me. I can handle it you're good with me, but not the way you're choosing to live your life right now. Like I have better for you. I have more for you really kind of turned my life around in a di- on a dime and got involved in a college ministry that still like I had these questions and got pushed back on them. But now I had my own relationship with God and he and I were able to kind of grapple through, through that stuff together. And it's, I've just kind of never looked back since, I guess. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's it's interesting because I can so relate to growing up. I got saved as a three-year-old. You know, I was raised in the church. I love church. I was the yeah. kid who, when my little friends were going to Sunday school, I wanted to be in the sanctuary because I wanted to learn. I love yeah. preaching. I wanted to be around all of that. But like you, I had a lot of questions. And I grew up in a Baptist church. Um And it was a great, it was a solid Baptist church, but I had some questions that were outside of like their canon of truth, if you will, that, you know, like one of the biggest things I remember my aunt used to do the church announcements and she would have to stand off to the side on a different, like at a different podium. And as like a little, little girl, I always thought that is the strangest thing. I never understood it. And so I would ask like, you know, why can't she stand on the platform like the, like the pastor? And, and the answers that I got were never sufficient. So I knew as a child, people are always like, when did you know that God was calling you into ministry? I was like, probably then, you know, like I was like, "Mm -mm. no, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like God, the God that I'm being taught about. That doesn't feel consistent with who he is. 
Yeah. And so I think that, you know, listening to you, like you went to a Christian school and you went to church and your parents were trying to do all the right things. But I think that as parents, as Christian parents, sometimes we can make the mistake of not really allowing the word of God to be practical and yeah. then not welcoming. Like, I love that you said you were curious. I'm such a curious person as well. And so like some of the questions that my kids ask me, like, I remember this is probably... Oh, geez, this is probably like 12 years ago. I was sitting on the couch reading uh, the story of Lucifer falling from heaven to one of my kids. I don't remember which kid it was. Um, and they said, well, what's going to happen if the angels decide to rebel against God again? I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> right. Like, I was like, oh, my God. You know, and then I was like, well. I don't, I don't think that's, is that possible? Like, and I started like, because there's nowhere in scripture that says that like God turned off their free will. Like if they right. had free will at one point, can they re revolt again? Right. And like, yeah. So like questions like that. So the, the posture that I've tried to take with my kids is when I don't know, I'm like, that is a great question. What do you think? Or right. let's learn, let's, let's see if we can figure this out together. But I think that it's so important that as parents, that we allow our children to be curious and ask those questions. And if we don't know, to be like, that's a great question. I'm not sure. Let's find out together versus like, you shouldn't be asking those questions. You right. know, that's not what Christians do. So or even being willing to say, I don't know. And we may not know, right. Like, we there. may not know the answer. There are things that aren't for us to know. And that's why faith entered the picture. And I think for a long time, I didn't have a real understanding of what faith was and what mm -hmm. it required of me. And so it was really difficult for me to walk in it. Yeah. So what were some of the answers that you got? Like when you would ask some of these questions, was it just like blank face or was it like, were they like the cliche, like that's only for the Lord to know? Like what, what did you oh, yeah. Hear? I would say that was, it was largely like, that's only for the Lord to know, which again, I think is a legitimate answer to some questions, but also I think it was just a lack of conversation. Like, I don't, it wasn't that I needed people to have the answers. I just needed it to be okay for me to ask the question hmm. and for us to dialogue about it, you know, and I tell a story, I have a, my book came out last year and I tell this story about being at church camp and having to wear a a one piece swimsuit with an oversized t-shirt and basketball shorts to swim <laughs> and the boys being it shirtless. Right. And just being like, this one this, of these things is not like the make other. Sense. Like, right. <laughs> right. This doesn't make sense. And I tell the story of like sitting next to one of the youth, you know, the leaders or whatever and being like, I'm going to drown. Like, this is so heavy. I'm going to drown in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and these boys are doing backflips off of the pier without shirts on. And I remember being like, I, I think my boy's really hot. Like, why is, why is it my job to protect his, like, whatever drive and not the same? And she was like, well, you know, modest is hottest. Mm, and I was wow. like, is it though? Because he's pretty hot. Like, <laughs> right. Are you sure? Because yeah. There's a lot of that kind of. The, like it was the the kind of canned responses yeah no that's so funny i'm like having a visual of the basketball shorts i'm like I, oh my I gosh remember like i didn't own any of that i didn't own a one-piece swimsuit i didn't own basketball shorts i'm going to go buy them for me so i could go to camp and i remember being okay with it like this is just the way things are and then getting to like the lake and being like <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> right. Like they skipped out on the meeting. I remember there was this uh, Christian camp that we would go to every year and they would literally have like a meeting before the camp with the, you know, with us and our parents. And the bulk of that meeting was all about 
the girls attire at the pool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was, we didn't have to wear basketball shorts, but we had to wear shorts, a yep. t-shirt and a one piece. So yep. the one piece wasn't, you know, didn't one cover up enough, enough, right? right. <laughs> you had to have right. a t-shirt with sleeves. Yep. They made sure it couldn't be a sleeveless t-shirt, had to be sleeves. Yep. And it's so crazy because I think that like things like that, that the church kind of majors on, I think the world looks at us like, Y'all are cuckoo for you know for cocoa yeah. puffs. Like, what is happening? Thread. Like, yes, yes, yeah. yes. 100%. So, so you're going through all that, and you're like, okay, this is this is crazy. You fall away. God has this like experience. You have this encounter with the Lord. He brings you back, and you're like, okay, I can still be me. I can still bring my questions. I can I can be fully Blake, and I can be fully Christian. Mm-hmm. So then what would you say you looking back on that time or even now where you are, what are some of the greatest blessings that you have received from the church? And then what are maybe some of the greatest pain points that you've received from the church? I am so thankful for my upbringing because once I did kind of make that shift into loving Jesus and actually having a relationship with him, I kind of had this file system in my head of all this scripture that I had memorized going to Christian school and going to Bible school. And I, it was this crazy experience. Like, Oh, I had to go like find my Bible because my, I'm pretty sure my parents packed it for me when I moved to college. And I remember like calling my mom and being like, is my Bible at home? And she was like, no, it's there. Like it's, it's, <laughs> I snuck it in your luggage in your yeah. room. <laughs> and finding it and actually like knowing what I was doing with it. And I think that's such a gift. Cause I think a lot of people don't have that experience. They grow up not knowing anything about God and then they experience him. And I, I don't think either experience is better or worse, but I just remember opening my Bible and being like, this is familiar. Yeah. I, I, this doesn't feel foreign and overwhelming. I know this. Okay. Let's look at it through a different lens. Kind of. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, but we got to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The church that we go to today, I am obsessed with and love and it is so easy to be under their leadership and under their guidance and you can come with your questions and you can ask the hard things and they do really great job of community. And I trust having my kids there. Uh, You know, I think that the global church does community pretty dang well. Like Mm -hmm. that is one area that we, we thrive. Like we, if we're trying to look for the good, the global church knows how to rally around people when they're suffering. They'll show up for people. They'll celebrate with people. Obviously, we're human, so we're not going to do it perfectly. Um, 
but I think those things are some of my favorite things about like the capital C church. And then I just think being a woman is, it can kind of suck in the capital C church, honestly, like they often don't know what to do with you, especially if you don't fit some kind of mold that of their own making. Um, yeah, that, that would be my main, my main, like, for both columns. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the fact that, you know, especially the Catholics, like when there is some sort of global crisis, like the Catholics show up, you know? Um, and obviously I know that people would kind of put the Catholic and, you know, Protestants into one umbrella. A lot of people feel like it's the same, but I also feel that a lot of people who have fallen away recently, um, or who are deconstructing their faith, they feel like the church doesn't show up for people. Like I think of the LGBTQ community, what, regardless of what people feel is moral or immoral, but like the suffering, the fact that you got all these teen suicides um, because, you know, and so I feel like there's so much room for us to grow as a church um, when we look at the sufferings of others that are not necessarily our own suffering. Or when we look at, um, you know, you're talking about the plight of women and you're having these like big name Protestant evangelical leaders who you find out are like super misogynistic and they were able to kind of fly under the radar for a long time, but now it's starting to become more apparent. And so I have just seen in my life, you know, working at my church as a pastor, like there's so many people who are leaving the faith entirely because they feel like, we're not doing enough. The church at large is not doing enough, or we aren't really as real as we say, or even like with these ads that have been coming out, the He Gets Us campaign, it's, you know, and all the, the firestorm that's around those ads right now. But the Jesus of the Bible looks pretty dang different than the Jesus that a lot of churches preach about. And I'm not afraid to say that. Like as a pastor, I'm like, it, it I mean, it just is the truth. It is. You know, it is. Yeah. And I think it's a twofold issue because I think both, like, if we're, I don't want it to sound like sides, but both sides of the equation bring their own stuff to the table, right? I do know of churches that have a heart to love and support, like you were saying, the LGBTQ community or, you know, people more like on the fringes and those people don't want their love. They don't want their care because what they have equated love with agreement. Mm -hmm. And I think you have a lot of Christians who are saying, I want to love you. I really do. And I want to do life with you, but I'm also not willing to affirm something that is sin. And that doesn't mean that I think your sin is worse than mine. I don't think my sin is prettier than yours. We all sin and it's the same. But that that's a difficult hurdle to get over with some people. And then you have the other side of it, of churches that are like, I just don't want to even, I don't even want to touch it. It's messy. I'm going to mess it up. I, I don't know what to do with that. You know, so I think it's like so interconnected and it is messy because we're human and we're broken even at our best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so much like there's this, I feel like there's like this need to control, to control mm -hmm. the narrative, to control like the gospel story, to control. And, you know, and I think it goes back to even what we were talking about a second ago, when we have these questions that don't make sense, instead of us being willing to like sit in the unknown, it's like, no, we, we, we have to have the answer. Right. You know, we have to know this. I know Brene Brown said something years, I heard her say it years ago that never, 
um, it never left me. And she said that the absence of faith isn't fear. The absence of faith is certainty. And Mm. I just started thinking about that, like, oh my gosh, like, obviously she's not saying that from like a biblical perspective, but when you think about what is faith, it is literally the substance of things hope for the evidence of things right. not seen. It's like, it's it's not tangible. We can't put a label on it. We can't define it. We we champion people who step out in faith into the unknown. Right. But then when it comes to our faith, we feel like we have to be able to explain everything. Mm-hmm. And some things yeah. just don't have an explanation. And, and, and I just- a hard place to get. Yeah. Where yeah. you're okay with that. Where you're yeah. okay with being like- ah. I don't have the answers. Like I don't. I want to. I wish that I could because I know it would probably help you. I, can, like, is love enough? Mm, right. Know? Right. You know, I'm I'm thinking about like even with Job in the book of Job, his friends, you know, like everybody dogs Job's friends because they like kind of went in on him. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty bad, you know, but I think about like, well, what, what in the world? Like they sat with the man for seven days in complete silence. But then they started there just like we all do. Like, we got to have an explanation. Like, well, surely you must have been sinful. Surely, you know, and I feel like that's what we do. Sometimes we look at people's lives and, you know, it's like, well, that has to have a logical explanation. So we're just going to make up an explanation. Or ignore it. Or ignore it. Or or that, you know, Um, and then call it godly. And it's, it's, it's pretty it's pretty damaging. So, you know, we talked a little bit about deconstruction and I know that word is kind of like a, you know, trending word and there's everybody's deconstructed their faith. Right. Right. Um, but would you say that you went through a deconstruction period in your life? And if so, how long was that? What was that process like? And how did you come back to, to faith? I have such an interesting I have such an interest in deconstruction. We were kind of talking about that before we started recording. I love hearing people's stories because, and this is going to, this is going to be a little bit of a hot take, but I think what we're seeing isn't actual deconstruction. It's like destruction because typically like in my mind, you deconstruct something to put it back together. Mm -hmm. And that's not what's happening. People are asking the hard questions. They're pulling things apart. They're not finding the answers. And so they're just leveling it. They're saying, I don't want to do anything with, I don't have anything to do with any of it. The church hurt me. People hurt me. That means Jesus hurt me. That means God doesn't love me. That means it's all made up and I don't want anything to do with it. I deconstructed in the sense of deconstructing what I had been told about God and about the Bible And then, I mean, I would say I'm still in the process. I think we'll probably eternally, once you do that, be in the process of what, what do I believe and Mm -hmm. what does scripture back up? And I mean, it's a very jarring experience to have grown up in Christianity and have believed a, a certain thing and then question it and then realize there's not a whole lot of scripture to back it up. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wait, there's a lot more scripture about treating people well mm-hmm. or kindly or with love than there is telling them they're wrong. Right. You know, and so I wouldn't say I deconstructed in the traditional sense of walking away from the faith, even in those years where I was was more adrift. It was. It's always kind of been a non-negotiable for me. Like that God was real, that Jesus was who he said he was. There was maybe some things that surrounded that that I didn't believe in for a time. Um, But I'm really thankful for 
the experience and the process in the last, I would say, five years of kind of going, do I still believe that? And there are some things that you go, do I still believe that? And you realize, yeah, I do. I still believe that. And scripture backs it up. And there's like, you know, there's a valid argument for that. And then there's some things where you're like, "Ah, I don't really want to do that anymore. I don't really Mm want to have that. I don't want to have that life experience. I don't want to partake in that or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, as Christians, it's so important for us to be able to like major on the majors and minor on the minors. hundred percent. So, you know, and I think that that comes when you just surround yourself with different people. Um, I love the fact that there are people in my life who aren't Christian, who are struggling in their faith, who are going through an active deconstruction right now, who are super solid in their faith and you will never, ever be able to get them to budge no matter what. And I learned something from all of them. Yes. All of them. And that's so lost. Yeah, it is. It is because it's like we feel like, first of all, one of my pastors said something years ago. He was like, God does not need you to defend him. Mm. And I was like, oh, because I used to be like, like literally I used to be like a zealot. You know what I mean? I was like, this is the word of God. We're going to stand on this word. And I don't care if you don't like it, you're going to bow down. Like it it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. I'm like, Lord, thank you that I didn't have a microphone back in those days. (laughs) Because I could have really like damaged some people. That was his like that was his goodness that you didn't have a mic then and that he needed to put you through some things before Mm -hmm. he could give you the mic. And I Mm -hmm. think, yeah, like we don't always end up with the microphone, right? But when you can view your life and that pruning and the deconstructing and the reconstructing as good work that he's, that isn't just, it's not just chaos. It's, it's intentional. It's with a purpose. Then you're like, okay, yeah. Oh, I used to really, uh, I used to really go at it. That wouldn't have been a good look. Okay. I can see what you were doing there, you know, and that's a gift. Yeah, it is. I think I love how you made the distinction between destruction and deconstruction and a deconstruction. I'm thinking about some folks now who, um, I don't know. I don't know where like the intention changes. Like, I think that there is a point in everyone where they're genuinely trying to say like, okay, what is it that I believe? Or the stories that I've been told, like, is that really true? Um, And then for some people, they take a shift. And it's like, I think, you know, opening yourself up to other uh, faith traditions or other teaching or science or whatever it is, that for some people is very helpful in their deconstruction process. And then for other people, it, it like removes them from the faith path altogether. Yeah. And um, one of the things that, you know, that I hope that those who I have the privilege of talking with who are in that process is that I believe, and I told somebody this last week, I said, I believe that God knows how to find you. Amen. Like his eyes are Amen. everywhere. Yeah. So even if you get like completely off the path, now that doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, life happens and that doesn't mean that you won't go through some things or that you'll make it out. I mean, you, I mean, God forbid you might die in that, in that state, but I do believe that God is able to find us no matter where we are. And, um, I think back in my own life and I think I've deconstructed like you, I've deconstructed several times in my faith and every single time my faith has been made stronger and stronger and stronger. Same, you know, yeah. when you're, when you're taking apart something that is faulty yeah. And putting it together better, mm. putting it back together, cheese them, <laughs> putting it back together better, yeah. then it's stronger and it's more solid and you have something to stand on, you mm. know, that you can say, 
this is what I believe. And I think you were making mention of living life with people who don't believe exactly the same as you. That is that life experience teaches you so much more than living in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it might rock you a couple times. Somebody might ask you a question and you might go, Oh, hold on. I don't know the answer to that. Or that's a really good point. And then you're like, you have to weigh that against your own experience. And what do you believe? And I'm at a point in my life now where when people ask me those kinds of things, I can say, I totally get, I totally get why you feel that way. I a hundred percent understand that your life experience affirms that my life experience affirms that there is a very real God that cares about me, that loves me, that guides my every step. I have, he is too good to not believe. I have too much experience of his goodness to not, but I understand why you don't. Yeah, that's great. I love that answer. I'm going to, that is such a great answer. I think, you know, because it doesn't diminish your faith. And I think that that is the, the um, fatal flaw, if I can put it that way, that some Christians run into in our quest to be inclusive and our quest to be loving and our quest to really be empathetic is that we forget no, like we actually have real experience with God. We've got the receipts, you know, we could be like, Hey, no, like God has shown up for me in so many areas. And this scripture has been true in my life. And it doesn't take away from that person. Maybe they haven't experienced it, but it also doesn't take away from the fact that we have. Exactly. And I think about that, you know, obviously I do a marriage podcast. And so I think about that even with couples who, who divorce or they break up and there's that honestly, there's like that sometimes that little tinge of guilt, like, ooh, mm. like, cause my marriage made it, you know, right. and it's still making it. We're still in process, obviously. But so sometimes I think even then, like we've got the tendency to want to kind of dumb down, like exactly. what we've experienced on the positive because someone else isn't experiencing the same thing. Right. It's can my experience and your experience coexist? Right. Do they have, like, do they require, I remember hearing somebody say one time, and this is an aside, but it relates do you need somebody to, do you need somebody to apologize? Do you need them to tell you what happened happened? Does their apology mean what they did happened or did you already know what happened happened? And that's mm-hmm. enough. And it's kind of the same. Like I know what life I've lived and I also can hear and believe the life that you've lived and that it has given you a totally different lens to see things through and neither have to take away from the other. I love it. Well, you've got a podcast called Confessions of a Crappy Christian. And um, so tell us a little bit about, first of all, like, why did you start the podcast? It's one thing to have questions on your own that you're asking your mom or your pastor at church, but why blast it to the world? Yeah, I, well, I'm a, I'm a talker. I've always been a talker and I started the podcast pretty deep in the throes of postpartum and diapers and I didn't, I was a stay at home mom and I was looking for these conversations and this is all four and a half years ago. So this, the landscape of podcasting has changed pretty drastically in the last four, four and a half years for the better, like so much better. But back then you really had like largely surface level female Christian podcasts that were just kind of like glorified Bible studies. And I needed, at the time, I needed conversations about mental health. I needed conversations about postpartum and about theology and about being a woman in the church that was a loud mouth. And I couldn't find it. In my whole life, I've been the, if you can't find it, make it type. 
And so I actually prayed about starting the podcast for almost a full year and kept asking God and kept asking God and kept getting a no and kept getting a no. And finally realized, you know, kind of heard God say like, you're barely keeping your head above water with what I've given you. So like maybe just slow down a little bit. I had a newborn and a two-year-old and my husband worked 70 hour weeks and we were making it paycheck to paycheck. And so I'm so thankful that I didn't get to start it in that season. Cause I don't think it would have gone anywhere. I think it probably would have died on the table. Um, but like a, about a year into it, I became friends with someone who was, had a, a podcast of her own and was managing and editing her podcast and was, she was really in, like instrumental in giving me the tools. Cause it can be really intimidating to start something oh, that yeah. you've never done. Mm-hmm. And so re- kind of got to a place, did my, like was in a lot of therapy, did my like healing we're always healing, but healed from some of the stuff and then kind of felt like I got the green light from God. And so started, it was my 30th birthday present to myself. And I started it like in a closet with a little $20 mic and my laptop on one of those dinner tray tables (laughs) and just kind of started having the conversations that I was looking for. And it turned out that a lot of people were looking for them as well. Yes, I love it. That's so much like God, that he takes the very thing that we have either been through as a pain point or the question that we have, and he allows us, he partners with us really to to bring that to the world. So you also have a book with the same title. And so um, I'll be sure to link to the book and the podcast and the show notes of today's show. So this has been such a great conversation, Blake, and I'm so grateful to have met you and just for this conversation that we've had today Thanks so much for being with us today. This was so great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Blake, for being with us today. I thought that was just an incredible conversation. Um, I want to encourage you all to do this, to talk with someone who challenges maybe parts of your belief system, whether that be your political belief system, your spiritual belief system, um, your relational belief system. I can talk to anybody about anything. and. I can do that because I'm not threatened by what other people believe. I don't have to change what I believe based on what other people believe. And I know for sure that my faith is solid. So I love, again, just the opportunity that I have had on this podcast to meet so many intriguing guests, so many people who are fully committed to what they're doing in their lives. And I have had an array of guests on the show, which if you've been following Real Relationship Talk for very long, you very well know. So I just want to encourage you all to do that. And check out Blake's website. Check out her book. It's again called Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Check out her podcast, same name. And maybe you'll find some conversations there that you're like, yes, like this is me 100%. And there might be some other conversations you're like, girl, bye. I do not believe any of this. And that is okay. That is okay. So I just want to thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. I always love when people say something to me about the podcast and I'm like, yeah, that wasn't about minute 35. You listen to the whole thing. And I listen to podcasts, y'all, just from start to finish. Like if I'm going to start a podcast, unless it's boring, then I'll just turn it off. But usually I'm going to listen to that podcast from beginning to end. So thanks so much for hanging in today, friend. You can find the show notes of this podcast at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 144. 
And as we end every episode in saying, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Mrs. Dana Shea. That's M-R-S-D-A-N-A-C-H-E. I will see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.